0: Hello and welcome to the C21 Podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well, wherever you may be. Today we hear from Rollum Productions founder Kay Meller, creator, writer and director of The Syndicate, about the return of the BBC drama and need for levity in TV right now. And BBC Studios director of current drama Caroline Levy on how the organisation is championing diversity with returning series The Break. Six years after BBC drama The Syndicate last aired, the Kay Meller penn series is back for a fourth run, about a group of dog kennel employees who strike it big on the lottery, only to find someone else has cashed in their winning ticket. Meller, founder of Rollam Productions, spoke to Michael Pickard about bringing the show back to air after turning her hand to musicals and the challenges of filming between Leeds and Monaco amidst the pandemic, plus why there's a need for levity in TV right now.
1: It's great to have the syndicate back um, this year, but I, I mean, I noticed that you've been a- away from our screens for for a couple of years. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, maybe what you've been up to over the last uh, last few years? Maybe since we saw girlfriends in in sort of 2018, I think it was.
2: Yeah. Well, I decided to kind of concentrate on theatre. My I'd had a, a, an ambition to write a musical, uh, and that took up an awful lot of time. So I, I turned Fat Friends into a musical, and um, so working in a, in a sort of an environment that I didn't really understand or know took a lot of brain power to uh, begin to understand musical language uh, I worked with the glorious Nick Lloyd Webber son of um, and learned a hell of a lot and we did a big show and we toured the country with it and um, yeah learned a lot to be honest with it and absolutely loved it loved it it re- reconnected me with how I started, you know, sort of got into the business, sort of doing theatre. And there's something immediate about an audience who are right there and you have access to them and you know what's working and you know what's not. And um, yeah, song and music is so powerful. So that was a great great for me. And then I went on and did Band of Gold. So after that, everybody was saying, why don't you do Band of Gold? So I did that as well as a straight play and that went down really well. Uh, and then uh, Charlotte and Piers at the BBC asked to see me. So I went in to see them. And obviously before you go in, you know that they they want to see you for a reason. And I, I, I did think about stuff and I thought, what, you know, should I come up with something new? And I did have a new a sort of idea about something, but then there was always this, this fourth season of somebody who stole a ticket that for me was interesting in the syndicate. And so when I went in and they they, they started to say to me, what would I like to write? And I, I brought this up quite quickly and said, in fact, I think I'd mentioned it to Piers. And Piers said, didn't you have another story for the syndicate? And I went, well, funnily enough, I did. Um, and um, But it was going to be hairdressers in Holt. <laughs> And they just literally had a show on about hairdressers and beauty and things. And um, and so they didn't want another one like that. And, and they said, does it have to be hairdresser's care? And I went, no, it doesn't. Because I'd recently got a dog. I'd had him for a couple of years, but I'd not been a dog owner. And I hadn't realized how wonderful dogs are. And so I said it could be it could be a kennel a syndicate of kennel workers, and I could see their eyes light up, and I got excited about it, and they got excited about it, and um, and so it was born really. And then I thought, do you know what? Let's just set aside theatre for a little bit. Let's go back to, to television because I do love television. I love theatre, and I love television, and the the two feed each other. Where I'm concerned, I would always like to think that I would do another theatre piece, and then I'd do another television. You know that. You know, it's it's kind of each each feeds each other. So yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: do you find I guess the the creative and and the writing process of theatre and and TV very similar, or have you had to kind of tune your brain back into theatre and then back into TV just to get the rhythms of the the medium? I guess
2: yeah. So television's fast moving. You tell a plot, you know, you have to get plot, 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 plot. uh, And theatre is much more luxurious. You know, you can just spend a little time. People have paid money to come and see it. They're sat down. They open their popcorn. you know, and they're, they're, they're bought into it. Whereas television, they can do that and be over to the other side in a minute, or less than a minute. So yeah, I had to put my television hat back on a bit. But, you know, but fundamentally, they're both the same thing. Fundamentally, you're still telling stories. And you want that kind of uplifting quality to it. But you want it to be dramatic and to have something to say that you think is important, you know, important enough. So um, yeah, all that's the same.
1: And then you mentioned, I guess, the, the syndicate you know has been even longer off our screens 2015 I think was season three yeah. so it's six years when it you know season four comes out this year and I guess yeah. the show as you mentioned the show has a very familiar format in terms of you know the four or five syndicate winners they win at the start and we see how the money changes their lives and just from seeing episode one of, of the new season you've obviously taken a big twist in that in that they win some money but it's not as much as they, they think and yeah. meanwhile we see Neil Morrissey who's great to yeah. see him on, on screen as usual um, you know Living it up in in the Cote d'Azur, you know. So, yeah. um, what can you tell us just a bit about the story and and how you know that? The... I, want,
2: I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to to do kind of you know that it's not straightforward, and and then actually money, how money changes people, some people, and that greed can be so toxic. You know, it can change somebody, and I mean, you know, I don't believe that Frank would ever do anything like that. That's Neil, Neil Morris's, you know, under normal circumstances, but once you start talking about big money and change of lifestyle you know it can change it can really make you do things that are not normally in your nature to do and and similarly if you feel like you've been robbed of something that's rightfully yours that can make you do something as well so the lottery in itself is life-changing you know if you win that kind of money your life changes but I wanted to look at it in the in, in, in as wide a sense as I possibly could. You know, what if this young girl has got massive debts, you know, well, massive debts by her, you know. By her standards, and really, seriously, believes that she's won the lottery. Then, what? What would she do? What would she do? And what if Frank has that ticket and that split second? He he, he either goes, "You've won twenty seven million to Keely," or he goes like, "You've won five hundred pounds. You know, it's a split second decision, and then you're on a you're on a rocky road or not, depending yeah. on how it ends. No,
1: yeah. Yes, I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, you, you immediately think, um, well, you know, they've won 500 quid. I was sort of thinking uh, they normally win a bit more in this show. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but then, of course, you see Frank, you know, leaving his fiancée. And and I guess, as we might discover later on, staging his own death, perhaps, and and then obviously fleeing to France. And um, yeah, so it's, it's just all changes for him in that split decision yeah. that he makes that, that move. And so was this, um, you know, you mentioned you had this idea for, for a while. So what's that creative process? process like for you once you decide to sit down and, and write the season how do you build the characters and, and take them through the story
2: i kind of map it out i kind of know in, in in very broad brush strokes what's going to happen in one two three four five six i, I kind of know and then i write episode one i have to I have to know sort of where i'm going but then i sometimes change it having said that but i have to have a kind of roadmap or else i would end up going to the wrong country do you know what i mean I know where I'm driving to. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I know that, you know, Colette's going to be in episode two and, and three and four. You know, three is going to be Roxy. Because I tell stories, episodic stories within the structure. So there's always this cat and mouse going on. Will they get the ticket? Will they get it off rank? Will they, you know, is has he got their ticket? Is that actually true? You know, um, I play with that throughout the whole six episodes but within each one we get a we get an, a, a more of an in-depth picture of of each character so that by the end we know all those characters lives inside out
1: and then as I, as I understand the story you had all the scripts written you were 4 days away from shooting yeah. in March last year we all know i guess how the story ends in that you know the covid pandemic hit the production sector and i yeah. guess you obviously didn't continue i mean as as the writer the creator the lead director and as i guess you know the owner of the production company who were making the show? I mean, what was that like for you in that in that moment?
2: Oh, well, it was awful because I had to go into a room. F- Full of people, young people, people that had you know, put their heart and soul into, you know, sort of creating the sets and uh, lighting camera shots and all of that, you know, and locations everything, and I had to stand in front of them and say, we're going to close down, and I knew that all those people were self-employed, and then I didn't know where they were going to get the money from, because we certainly didn't have that kind of money, it, our company hasn't got that kind of money, so it was, it was daunting and awful for me, but I, I had a responsibility to their well-being and their health And I felt that it was the grown up thing to do was to say, I'm sorry, you're all gonna have to go home. We're gonna have to close our doors, turn the key and walk away. It was heartbreaking, actually, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, And it took everything in me to go and say that, you know, with a wobbly voice, I said, we're we're closing down. And you know, it was amazing how how people responded really well. Everybody knew what was going on, obviously. And they they said, we think you've done the right thing, Kay." And, you know, people like. Ben Hepworth, you know, we were using his uh, his studio, uh, his facilities for our office and, and uh, you know, our art department was all there. And he just sort of said, lock the doors, Kay, and leave it. You can, it'll be still here when you come back. And he was absolutely wonderful. Just said, you know, you don't need to pay for this, that and the other, just go. And when we start up again, we start up again. So we we could do that. We could lock the doors, doors knowing that everything was safe. And then it was when are we going to start again and then people were going oh if you start again you know it's to, it's coming in autumn it's it's all going to happen again and and i was going like can we can we you know i'm i'm an optimist by nature and i remember thinking i remember people saying if you start you can't stop because the bbc had paid us and we had a pocket of money to be able to start our startup fund which we quickly used because everything had to we had to get all get covid tested and all these things and buy this that and the other and to keep us safe and jumped through a million hoops health-wise. And so, you know, if you start, you can't stop. So that was terrifying, really. And I was thinking, well, what if I got it? So I worked with another director, and we kept up our, our social distance at all times. He was in one bubble, I was in another bubble. The actors all stayed together in their own bubble. They couldn't go home like they normally would. They couldn't socialise and go out to clubs and things like they normally do. They had to just, stay in their own little place, which is a real tall order to to give to young people, you know, young people who go out and having a drink and they're socialising after work. None of that. You have to stay in your bubble. You can't even go back and see your parents or your your boyfriend. And they were all brilliant. Everybody was brilliant, I have to say. You know, I couldn't have wished for a better cast and crew. I couldn't have done it with certain cast and crew, you know, because we were hearing stories long before we shut down, actually. You know, so-and-so's closed and it's in Ireland and The actress has flown back to America and, you know, and she said she's not coming back. And we were hearing all these horror stories and, and this has had to shut down because they've had three people with COVID and I was kind of like, oh God, what am I doing? What am I doing the right thing? But something in me kept saying, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right. And we kept on ha- gathering as a group and, and, and having pep talk and saying, is everybody all right? You know, does everybody feel that we're, that we're doing the right thing? Thank you. Lots of gratitude coming from us to cast and crew who kept themselves safe for us. So yeah, it was strange shooting times.
1: And, and, and more. To- difficult i imagine because you were among the first to kind of get back so Mm -hmm. it really was a a new world for you i mean how what what, what were some of the things maybe that you you learned that you would use again and you know hopefully things are getting a bit easier now but are there are are there testing
2: testing Testing before they get they come on set testing before you let them go anywhere near makeup and wardrobe we had one instance where an actor had gone to wardrobe to be fitted you know to have his measurements taken and he turned out to be positive so it, it shot all our wardrobe, all our costume department down. They all had to go to be tested, everything had to stop. Yeah, the, the biggest thing we caught, I think, in, in eight in all by the time we finished, eight people were COVID positive that didn't join us, who would have joined us if we hadn't have done the testing. But we started testing earlier and earlier before ever they got to wardrobe or makeup. Let me be honest about it they did their own makeup. So literally, they would go to makeup, being an, an actor, and they'd look at them, and with the visors on, they'd say, You need this colour makeup. This is your Your eye eye makeup, this is your, and they had to do it themselves. So some of the actors were learning how to do their own makeup. They'd never done their own makeup, ever. Same with costume and fitting fitting um, radio mics. These were actors who were learning new skills and God bless them. They never moaned.
1: They never moaned about it. They just got on with the job. Did you have to change you know, the scenes or, or the scripts at all that you were planning to shoot? Yeah. Um, I, I, so set cool. lot,
2: I set a lot more outside. Um, so things that were interior, I set outside because I knew it was safer and I knew the kennels that we had, the staff room was very small. So um, we I, I limited that, completely limited it to the, the bare minimum minimum. minimum of being in the staff room and when we did shoot in the staff room I made sure that all the doors were open which which added a lot because actually the doors open you can see beyond you can see the field where the where the dogs are playing you know so it added stuff it didn't didn't detract from it it added stuff but yeah so for instance so we I'm looking at a scene now and the BBC commissioning editor is saying "Do they kiss you know, she goes, do they kiss? And of course they didn't kiss because they couldn't kiss because of COVID. And I'm going, no, no, why didn't I get them to kiss? I should have got them to kiss. And I'm thinking, because now I'm in the safety of my, you know, I'm editing here in my room. This is this is very new. I've normally being in an edit suite, but um, I'm editing here. And you remove from it. And, you can, and it's hard to remember what it was like when you were on set and you were kind of going, she might have COVID today. I don't know where she was last night. I had her word that she said to me that she was keeping herself safe and you know of course you believe them but you you just don't know she might have got a parcel delivered to her and for all I know do you know what I mean you don't know there were all these rumors particularly early on back in the day you know back at the beginning there were you know don't touch a parcel don't touch a letter don't you know there were very scary times where we didn't know how it was trans 100% how it was transmitted so we learned a lot more but I knew enough to set a lot of stuff
1: out. Right. And and so we look forward to seeing the show, um, you know, this year on, on the BBC and March. March.
2: That's been scary as well. We were there. We were in the middle of this shoot in the middle of a Covid epidemic. And they went, can we can we have it in March? And we went, oh, my God, we don't even know if we can finish shooting it. You know, it's terrifying, but flattering as well to be to have the BBC ringing you up saying we want to put this out in March. Not only do they want it and they're going to put it out, you know, they believe in it 100% and love it. So they were looking at the rushes and going, this is great. This is the sort of thing we need on our screen. So for me, it was lovely. And I went, oh, let's try and do it. But actually, we're tying ourselves in knots to, 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 to get it on the screen, to be honest with you. I've got an editor who's completely burnt out. She needs a day off. You know, um, she's working day and night to turn this around quick. And,
1: and, and I guess with, with your with your Roller hat on, I mean, how are you facing the industry in, in 2021? I mean, what are some of the the concerns or the opportunities that you coming out of this in terms of um, productions or just getting stuff made and, and... You
2: know, we, we we had a lovely little show last year. Was it last year or the year before? Called My Left No, which was just a three parter, and it was so lovely. It won the Edinburgh Fringe, and uh, we helped the writer uh, Sean, my my head of development, and myself helped Michael turn it into a step uh, into tea. and unfortunately things like that our second series got jettisoned because there's not the money around that there was before because because money's had to go to the big productions to help them get over covid Do you know what i mean we've had i mean we were using or uh, gobbling up money all the time because what you could shoot in a, in a day before covid you could shoot half as much because you have to let each department go in you can't put all your departments in there you can't have your art department and you camera department in there at the same time because one could one bubble could come you know if one bubble went down they'd take the other bubble out so we had to wait until all of them came out and then in go the next team and then they'd come out and then you get somebody else going and and so you you were reducing your shooting time every day sometimes I would get you know do five shoots you know maybe any scene I'd do five different positions on on a you know close up medium close up side view etc none of that you just had to get what you could in the time that you had and you know so we we've coined a phrase which is you shot this very economically (laughs) i I, I, there's a better phrase you you shot this under covid (laughs) that's more accurate
1: i mean what would you just say about what viewers can look forward to in the show and and maybe can you tell us what's what's next for you you know this year or looking ahead
2: so i'll tell you what they can they can look forward to in this show they uh, they can look forward to the yorkshire countryside monaco in all its glory and wealth they can look forward to Catherine Rose Morley, who's an absolute star. Um, as She plays the leading role of Keeley. She's just glorious. Everybody's got their eye on her now. Um, they can look forward to dogs. Gorgeous dogs, honestly. They're just so cute and gorgeous. Uh, They can look forward to humour. There's a lot of humour in it and there's some pathos in it. And there's a whole cat and mouse storyline that goes over six hours of television. And um, I think that's enough to look forward to, to be honest with you. I'd I'd like to watch it. You know, I'm kind of sick of watching stuff. Going, I just want to watch something uplifting. I just want to watch something that makes me feel good. I'm just dealing with COVID every day and... You know, fretting about my family and and that and all I want to watch to watch something at the end of the day is something uplifting, something that will absorb me and be uplifting. That's all I want. So I hope that this will provide that for an audience.
1: I mean, if I could just ask you, did you film in Monaco? Were you on location yes. there? Or you yes, did? You we were. We
2: went, we went to Monaco, which. <laughs> which brought about its own problems because there were curfews there and lockdowns and terrorist attacks. So if we thought we were stressed in Yorkshire, we were 10, ten times more stressed in Monaco, you know. But you know what? We did it. We absolutely did it, which was amazing, to be honest with you. A- amazing. And, you know, we've got Monaco on screen. We've got these little... and Well, they're not little. They're, gra- they're wonderful. But we've got these characters that are, you know, that have nothing in life, that, you know, kennel owners... Kennel workers earn about twelve grand a year, and there they are in Monaco, where you know there's these yachts that you can, own, you know, the mind boggles when you look at them. There's such wealth, so they're so kind of out of their their kind of um, zone. They don't understand this all this wealth that surrounds them. They, you know, they're they're out of their comfort. They're in a different world.
0: Kay Meller from Rolland Productions speaking with Michael Pickard about season four of The Syndicate, which debuts on BBC One tomorrow. Improving diversity on and off screen has been a key talking point for the industry over the last 12 months. BBC Studios director of current drama Caroline Levy spoke to Michael Pickard about short-form anthology series The Break, which returns to BBC Three and the BBC iPlayer for a fifth season today, each instalment coming from writers with disabilities. Levy discusses the background to the project, a partnership with BBC Writers Room and talks about how TV needs to change further to promote new voices. She also talks about how BBC Studios has navigated the pandemic over the last 12 months.
1: We're a year into the, the pandemic uh, when, when the industry changed. I mean, how, how have you and your team, you know, been coping over the last 12 months in terms of getting new productions up and running and, and uh, developing new projects as well?
3: Obviously, it's been a very tough year. Um, we've all had to accommodate and change, look at new practices, adopt protocols that were unimaginable a year ago. But I do think what's been extraordinary and hugely impressive is how the teams have adapted and gone back into production. We went back into production in September last year on a number of different shows. Uh, we had very good, solid, strict protocols that we put in place. The team's adapted incredibly well. Obviously, there have been some bumpy times. We've had testing throughout, uh, maintaining social distancing, and a number of different initiatives have been put in place. And there have been some bumpy times, but people have adapted. And we've kept going. I mean, Silent Witness achieved its 100th day of filming uh, a few days ago, which is remarkable. And also also similarly, we've set up new shows like The Break, which we're going to talk about today. We picked a date and we said, let's go for it. Why not? And put everything in place and, and pulled it off.
1: I mean, how have you found that, I guess, the flow of production has been disrupted? Have you had to obviously hold a lot of things back? And has that then had a knock-on effect to, um, obviously, productions that are going to be up and coming, but also, you know, things in the pipeline that you may have had to say, well, you know, let's just we have to hold on to that for, for six months and, and see what comes out of it?
3: I think, yes, some dates did change. Some You know, some things, obviously, which were supposed to start filming when, when people... shows were shutting down in in March um, across the industry, some shows that were supposed to start filming or were middle, you know, halfway through filming were suspended. But then it was a question over the next few weeks and months and particularly over the summer of going, okay, you know, Let's look at what we need to achieve. Let's look at our new delivery dates and let's figure out a way forward. Other shows were doing it. We, we I spoke to lots of different indies and colleagues in the industry to look, look at how they were doing it. And we we just went for it. So yes, it did delay some productions and we did have to reconfigure, but we were determined to return and we did. And we've done so very strongly. I mean, I have to say at one point last year, October, November last year, we had five shows that were filming in high-end TV drama, different shapes and sizes, which is very
1: and, and just, I mean, how has the your development process changed? Obviously, I guess you're doing a lot more Zoom meetings and things like we're talking now. I mean, just how have you adapted to getting new projects off the ground and, and keeping in touch with those writers and, and those indie groups or partners that you obviously work with throughout the year?
3: Again, I think it's been a very positive experience and people have adapted incredibly well. Like everyone else, we've got used to Zoom. We have regular team meetings that we've put in place. We have very strong relationships with agents and writers and we've maintained that throughout I think the development process has been very robust and strong I don't think it slowed it down particularly yes it's been a bit frustrating at times but we we carry on and we have a wonderful and exciting slate
1: and, and uh, what can you tell us then about um, what's coming up on the slate obviously BBC Studios the distribution side of the company had the showcase a couple of weeks ago what can you just tell us about the slate what's coming up for you uh, in production or stuff that's we're going to be seeing soon on, on channels
3: obviously we've got silent witness that's filming and we have doctor who that's filming um so we have those new shows that are all those shows that are working on at the moment we obviously have the break that's coming out soon in March. We have a a, a wonderful three parts written by Jimmy McGovern called Time, which is hugely exciting. Uh, another show called Smother, uh, which obviously started just going up, gone out recently. Season one it did remarkably well. Uh, has a fantastic lineup and cast attached to it. So you know we we keep going. It's it's a it's a busy time.
1: And and so coming to the break. I mean, it's um it's remarkably it's, it's been running for five years now, which I was not aware of, probably to my shame. Um, Um, that it's been such a a long-running project for the BBC and BBC Studios and you've obviously managed to produce this next batch of um, short films it's a short films anthology during I guess the the current crisis so I mean just take us by way of an introduction into the break and and tell us a bit about how you collaborate with with some of the partners um, on producing these rounds of films.
3: So really the break is a uh, BBC Writers Room initiative and Anne Edivine who runs Writers Room is a huge supporter of new talent Emerging talent from all different walks of life and backgrounds. Season five, it was decided that BBC Studios would sort of produce these films, and there was a shortlist of maybe nine or ten different scripts. Uh, we knew there was only going to be a slot for five films so then we worked with those writers on those different drafts um, and eventually whittled it down to the five that were uh, ultimately chosen. So we worked incredibly closely with the writers room and was across the entire process and also this is for BBC Three so it's a collaboration with them as well. Esther Springer was, is a producer of the show and we worked closely on the scripts when they were in good solid shape. We then approached various different different directors, and then started looking at the casting process. And quite early on, we made the decision that these films are all written by talent with a range of different disabilities, and that we decided that the directors and lead cast would all also have a range of disabilities. So we have 14 or 15 key pieces of talent in this one show who are bringing their unique experiences to this project. And so they came on board, Uh, we chose the directors, we're very excited, they had done uh, short films before some of them, but they hadn't, many of them hadn't really worked for the BBC before, so that was a a huge leap and exciting process for them. Some of the writers who were chosen in this process had written pieces before, but they loved the idea of collaborating with script editors and producers to create a final piece. Some of the acting talent that we found for this had not acted for television before, So, again, that was a huge leap for them to understand the process. So, all the way through with all this new talent, there was a lot of time spent helping them understand the process, giving them time to spend with each other uh, so that they could hear their comments, their voices, their ways of working, their reaction to the scripts. Each of the stories focuses on a a particular character who's at a challenging moment in their life. And it's connected in some ways to their disability, but not always. Uh, Some of the films are funny. Poignant, moving. They are a real, real eclectic, proper eclectic mix contemporary stories so we were lucky enough to bring on board also BAFTA award-winning talent to support this team and obviously these were all shot during COVID so there were those added complications as well.
1: Absolutely I mean yeah you, you mentioned that I guess the overarching theme of the break is you know original contemporary stories and and as you said this year all the writers involved have you know I guess a, have a, a disability in common and those are very much reflected in in the stories that they've written and, and you say the talent as well I mean I've diversity has been such a a big theme of the industry over the last year so i mean how important is it that you know a a program a series like the break and and something like the writer's room and how important would you say that these schemes are to back and and why were you keen to obviously take Mm. part this year
3: i think they are incredibly important and i think one of the wonderful things about bbc studios is in drama is because we make a range of different shows we can look at this talent and once that person's gone through the experience whether it be a director or an actor or a writer and the writer's room do spend a huge amount of time they do incredible work. Uh, to find this talent and to carry them through the process. Um, but what's also been so exciting through this is, you know, it gave me the opportunity to watch a range of shorts from a number of different directors who I w- who I was not aware of. It enabled me to look at loads of different casting tapes um, of, again, a range of different actors who I wasn't aware of, new talent. And as I was going through this process, if I spotted someone who I think was really interesting, I would be emailing the other execs who manage a range of different shows and by the way, I've just watched this cast Or I've just seen this short from a director. You've got to keep an eye on this person because I think they've got something very, very special. Here's a link or check them out or whatever. So what's wonderful is we have a range of different shows. We all talk to each other on a regular basis and share talent who we think has got something special. All these films are going to be watched by those colleagues in continuing drama who work on Holby and EastEnders and what have you, um, and they're looking at them with real serious interest to see where we can use them on other shows, talk to colleagues about it on Silent Witness and Doctor Who and others to say, let's keep an eye on this, let's support them, let's keep working with these people because they've got something very special to offer.
1: In terms of just logistics and and getting you know the films wrapped, I mean, how do you do that? What were some of those challenges that you had? Um, and did the different films present different challenges for you?
3: I think yes, each film had its own challenge. I think also, obviously, you're working with people with different disabilities. So you have, they have different access requirements. Um, And Esther was fantastic, I must say, at working with the talent to understand any access requirements that we needed to be aware of. Um, And, you know, what impact that might have on the locations that we chose, or how we structured a day, uh, how things were shot. But once we understood the access requirements, anything was possible. It didn't prevent anyone from doing their best work and you know as many of the talent said uh, I've got skill I've got talent and I'll prove to anyone I can do anything and I think that's really true of all this talent and they all absolutely proved that.
1: Are you seeing the industry kind of respond in a similar way as as BBC Studios is obviously doing with with this series of films how how are you seeing things moving forward?
3: Yes I mean I do think I mean I definitely the industry is taking this incredibly seriously and they're being very active in uh, looking at new talent and, and hiring new talent, whether it be on screen or off screen. And I think there are a number of new initiatives which are supporting talent in this way. I think people are looking at access requirements and making those changes to make anything possible. And I think once we find this exciting new talent, we need to support it and encourage it and demonstrate that it is absolutely possible to work in this industry with whatever disability you may have.
1: I mean, are, are there steps you think the industry should be taking now or are, are things kind of the wheels are in motion now and, and hopefully things are going to change, you know, and not look back?
3: I think there's always room for improvement. There's always more that can be done. But I do think that there are a number of, you know, a different mindset now, a different attitude to it, a very positive way of embracing all talent from, from different backgrounds and encouraging them to be in in our in our world, in our dramas. You know, as I said, whether that be on shows like The Break or some of the other shows that we do, like Silent Witness, I think there is a real desire to to work with this talent because they've got something very, very special to offer.
1: And are there plans for a sixth edition of, of The Break?
3: I know that Anne Edmine, Writers' Room, is you know uh, I'm sure that they're looking at scripts and, and talent at the moment as I said it's a, it's a writer's room initiative um, and I, I'm sure there are aspirations it's a very successful show and it's a wonderful venue to embrace new talent so I'm sure uh, fingers crossed there'll be a new season it's been wonderful to work on it I must say and and I hope very much to continue to work with a lot of the talent
1: and, and I mean just looking I guess further afield at the rest of the year I mean how do you just see uh, the industry Generally, sort of shaking out from from COVID, and are things sort of slowly getting back to um, whatever normal we can kind of remember, or um, do you think there are going to be you know some major changes in the way people do business and and make TV?
3: I mean, again, talking to colleagues within the BBC and outside the BBC, I think it is proving to be an incredibly busy time. I mean, I've heard some extraordinary statistics of. The number of shows that are planning to film in Wales or Bristol or in the north, it does appear to be incredibly busy out there, which is wonderful. And I'm thrilled for all the freelancers. I was one for many, 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 many years. So I'm thrilled for all these freelancers who are back and busy. And I think that people have got used to working under these conditions now and accept the new ways of working. I'm sure there'll be modifications through the year. But we have found a way through, we are an incredibly resourceful industry who's used to change, you know, it suddenly rains when it was supposed to be sunshine all day for this particular scene. Oh, we'll have to adapt. We're used to doing that. We're used to being lighter foot. We're used to being creative. Uh, we are, I think, one of the best film and television industries in the world. And I think that's only been proved time and time again uh, at what we've managed to achieve. So uh, I think it'll be a very busy and
0: productive year. Caroline Levy speaking to Michael Pickard. The fifth season of The Break debuts on BBC3 and the BBC iPlayer today. That's all for this episode, but there'll be more from the podcast tomorrow. In the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 Online on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.